We had a great time the first service. I think we'll have a great time this service. We're going to be talking specifically about the blended family this time, this 11 o'clock service. And so I um, just want to get right into the word, if that's all right with y'all, so we can get through the material. So what I want to first emphasize is, well, let me just tell you a little bit about us, because some of y'all know us and some of y'all don't. But um, Pastor Gregory said that we have been in ministry for a long time, 30 years. I'm pretty much like, I would guess started when I was three. <laughs> but um, when, when uh, I told the first service that I was a single parent, we talked about single parent head of household this morning, and I told them that because I had gone through a divorce, and you'll have to get this morning service to get all of it. I'm, I told everybody, we're very transparent. We tell all of our business, so if I tell it, you can't hold nothing over my head. It's already out there. And so we tell all, we tell everything um, because people are helped by our story. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was a single parent, and I met my husband um, yeah, about two years after I was divorced. And on our second date, I told this last Saturday, on our second date, he took me on a date. Uh, first went to lunch. We both worked for the state of Michigan at the time. The second date, he took me to a, a city uh, west of Lansing. It was called Grand Rapids. We went to dinner. And when we went to dinner, he had a, a notebook very similar to the ones we have up here. And we were eating, you know, just enjoying dinner, getting to know each other the second day, right? And he pushed the notebook across the table, and he said, you know, I'm called to fast. He said, I would like to pursue you to marry you. This is date number two. He said, uh, I would like to pursue you to marry you, but uh, you need to read this book because I'm called to be a pastor, and I'm called a pastor in Texas, and I need to know if you can sign up for this, for this journey with this vision. That's exactly what I said, amen. So I was eating sweet and sour chicken. I remember it like it was today. <laughs> sweet and sour chicken, and in my head, I was like, this is the most arrogant joke I've ever seen in my life. What is this issue? And, uh, you know, I told you I was, I spent two years as a single parent. My first husband was a drug addict. Um, a lot of issues going on there, uh, very bad divorce, and um, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me as I sat there eating my sweet and sour chicken, which I began to eat very slowly so I could try to hear God. So I asked him, I said, how long do I have to answer that question? You know, this is date number two, I don't know you. And he said, you got to the end of this meal. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I don't have time. <laughs> Whatever, like that. <laughs> then I ate slower still. Lord began to talk to me, and he said, now listen, you just got out of a terrible situation with somebody that didn't care anything about what you uh, were called to do, your purpose, your life. I'm sending you somebody who has vision, who's following, following hard after me. What is your dilemma? So I said, okay, um, okay, we can, yeah, we can see where this goes. So we ended up dating for two more years, you know, because we both were bringing children into the family. We're going to talk a little bit about this a little bit later on into this message, but we dated for two more years, and then we got married, so my husband said next week will be 25 years uh, since that day, and Jesus is, is still Lord. We're very happy. Amen. But what I want to share with you this morning is that blended families are not some anomaly that just showed up. The Bible is full of blended families, whether you know it or not. I'm just going to run through some scriptures. Y'all can write them down. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to read Every one of them, I might just highlight some things in the scripture. But in Esther chapter 2, you find that Mordecai, the Bible says in verse 5, 
that Mordecai received Esther as his own. So to Esther, Mordecai was a father. Mm -hmm. You see in Genesis chapter 35, this is a, a real blended family. Jacob has four wives and children with all of those wives. Now that's not a situation, you know, that was a culturally acceptable thing then. It's not, <laughs> that was their idea, it wasn't God's idea, but it was definitely a blended family. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 35, you find that Jesus was in a blended family. You do realize that Joseph did not beget Jesus, right? You, did y'all know that? Okay, I'm just wondering. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, Joseph got his assignment to raise Jesus. I said Joseph got his assignment to raise Jesus from the Holy Ghost. Do you know you, you would need to have an anointing? Everybody can't raise somebody else's kids. You need to have an anointing to do. That's why some people say, I just can't do it because maybe you're not supposed to do it. But if you do and have an inclination to, it's a grace on you for that. Joseph received assignment from the Holy Ghost on how to raise Jesus. He was supposed to raise Jesus so that Jesus could be the Savior of the world. Wow, this is amazing. Luke chapter 3. Listen to how the scriptures, uh, verse 23, describe Jesus and Joseph and Mary's relationship. The, it says in, in Luke 3.23, as was supposed, so Joseph, the people uh, has saw no difference between how Joseph treated his other children. Y'all know Mary and them had other kids, right? So there was, Mary was a little lamb, right? <laughs> she had some kids. Come on. There was no difference between how Joseph treated Jesus and Joseph treated James and Joseph because it was, a, it was as community knowledge as was supposed to be known that Jesus was Joseph's son. So he just treated him like he was one of the other kids. Right? We're going to get into this a little bit more. Um, let's look at Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 27 and verse 41. Um, both of those scriptures talk about Joseph and Mary being Jesus' parents. That's the Greek word genuous, and that word simply means begetter. Well, we know that Joseph didn't beget Jesus, but once Joseph got the assignment to raise Jesus, it was just as if he had begot him. It was just as if he had sired him, as just as if he was his sperm father. You hear me? So as far as God is concerned, once you say, I do to that assignment, sign on the dotted line, it's just like you birthed him. We got a few amens, but it's so anyhow. We're going to show you from the word, okay? Luke, Can we just show y'all from the word? Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 49. Y'all can study these in your own time, but verse 48, Jesus says, I mean, Mary says to Jesus, why did you do this to your father? Now, why did you leave, the, leave us and, and hang back here when you knew we were going on someplace else? Notice that, that Mary said, why did you do this to your father and I? Notice what Mary didn't say. Why did you do this to your stepfather and I? Listen, my husband, when we got married, he said, I don't have any stepkids because I don't have a stepwife. We never use the term step in our house because that, that simply gives you permission to step back from your responsibility 
from, from those children in that household. Those kids didn't sign up for whatever y'all are doing right now. They came because they were here, because you brought them here. So they have no say-so. They shouldn't feel disconnected or treated differently because of decisions that y'all made or that we made. We understand? As a matter of fact, Jesus, out of all of Joseph's sons, was the only one identified as in the same trade that his dad was in as a carpenter. Isn't that interesting? He was the only one out of all of them. Why, why is that significant? Because, again, Joseph took time to pour himself into Jesus Christ, his son. And he poured himself into such a degree that they never talked about how he actually was conceived. All the people knew that that was Joseph's son by the way he treated him. Amen? Then the last scripture reference that I'm going to talk about is Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 and verse 19. And so this is when the, the angel appears to Joseph. And he gives instructions to uh, Joseph about what to do with Jesus. Now, remember, the Holy Ghost came. The angel came and talked to Mary. The Holy Ghost came upon her. But after that, nobody had any conversations anymore with Mary. Because Joseph was the head of that household. I said, Joseph was the head of that household. So I don't care how your family came together. Structurally, if it came in pieces and parts, once it gets together, it needs to function like God said function Amen. in Ephesians chapter 5, where the husband is the head, and the wife submits to the husband, and the children and the dog and the goldfish submit, right? Obey after that. And so what happens with, with the problem we come into with blended families is we try to determine the structure of the family when God's already determined the structure of the family. God's already set the family up. And once the family comes together, if you're in Christ, you need to follow God's order. When we don't follow God's order, that's when we get all in trouble. Go ahead, Ann. Amen. So when my wife and I decided we wanted to get married, obviously there was a process that the Lord had brought me to so that I could pour into her. First, I had to share with her what he told me about, obviously, what I was called to do. But then how I was going to structure the family based off of the word of God. Because we didn't use this term step, uh, step this, step that. As a matter of fact, there's a term going around now that they call calling step families. I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible says in all uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, talking about Abraham, it says, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He didn't say the, the step families and the traditional families. He said all the families of the earth. So what I did was I sat down with my wife, and I did have that book. And it was Yatwa Cafe, I mean, uh, restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I remember, good, because she was eating sweet and sour. At least that's what they said it was on the menu. And so, <laughs> Chinese restaurant. And so, um, and so I started pouring into her, this is how it's going to be. We don't, do, we don't have any stepchildren. You're, you're my wife. When you actually read the word of God, if that was the case, then we would be step Christians. Right, right. Right? Right? Let's, let's just talk, we're just talking about the Word of God, right? Romans chapter 12 said we were grafted into the olive tree, right? The Gentiles were. We were without covenants, right? So, so then you got to understand that if we're not step Christians, Amen. how can you have a step family? How can you have it? 
It's impossible to have. So I start pouring these things into my wife, and I said, we're not going to allow the composition of our family to determine the structure and the function of it. So we simply were going to go to the Word of God and lay the foundation, line upon line, precept upon precept, and we were going to do it the way God said do it. Now, that may be a little challenging for some folks, and again, we're going to get into some things. And so what I did was I told my wife, I said, we're not, guys, and guys hear me, can I just be brutally honest with y'all? Go like this, because I'm going to do it anyway. Some of y'all men just need to man up. Just being honest with you. How are you going to let your wife run your household? Okay. See, when I married my wife, I said, this is not the Ray Culpepper Lee household. This is the W, as my mom used to say, the W-R-A-Y household. <laughs> Our last name is spelled W-R-A-Y. I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the house. Not you, not your kids. So we got that straight from the beginning. You wasn't hyphenating your last name. I'm not, now you have to just, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. At my house, Abraham hyphenating Sarah. What the? Have you lost your holy mind? So no, we, we're not even going down that road. This is the Ray household. It's going to be set up and established as God tells us to do it. And so we start laying that foundation. And so it took me two years. Not, it didn't take me actually two. Not, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't say that right. I took two years so my wife and I could be on the same page. Because six months into the wedding or the marriage, it's not, um, you can't touch my children. I could, rate, I could pay for them. I could feed them. I could clothe them. But I can't discipline them. You might as well go on your way. Because, see, that's what I was doing. That's why I said, I want to pursue you to marry you. Because if I cannot do those things, then you're not the woman for me. I'm going to find somebody else. We had this conversation. And so she said, okay, we're good. We can do this. The other part about it is if you've been a biological parent, you're going to have to help that non-biological parent with that whole situation. You can't just come in there saying that this is how we're going to do things. Uh, because watch this. If you set up your household outside of the parameters of the word of God, God is not obligated to bless you. He's just not obligated to bless you. So you absolutely have to set it up. So first things first is this. Number one, you gotta, you got to lay the proper foundation. you got to lay the proper foundation. You have to lay the proper foundation. First thing you do, count up the cost. Now, 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 now watch this. This doesn't, it didn't say count up the cost to determine whether you're going to do it or not. He said count it up so you can finish the assignment. Right. As a believer, whenever we step to the plate, we should have stepped to the plate knowing that I'm going to go to the end of this thing. I'm not going to get halfway down and determine, okay, I can't do this anymore. That would mess my wife up. Are you listening to me? I don't got my wife all excited. She's happy because the Lord sent her a good man. <laughs> Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm 62 years old this year. <gasps> what? Yes, I am. The Lord delivered me from drugs, alcohol, and ugly women. Come on, somebody. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> And then, then, then the Lord gave me a beautiful wife. But I had to lay the proper foundation. I had to communicate a certain way. I had to be a, a, the foundation that we can build upon it. Come on, somebody. We had to build upon it. So I knew that this, the, the scripture said a house divided against itself shall not. Read, it says shall not. Shell is one of the strongest words in the English language. 
So in other words, I had to lay the foundation properly so my wife and I understood what our responsibilities are and were. So that meant that I got to pour into my children as well. So we had to lay the proper foundation because a house divided against itself cannot be established. And I'm going to tell you what, man. One of the worst things of being is in a bad relationship. God. Some of y'all rather go to prison than to be in the situation y'all in because y'all can't sleep at night. Some of y'all is sipping and nipping and puff, puff, passing, trying to get through this thing. You know? <laughs> I was a professional weed smoker. I was a thug. I was a thug, man. I had, a matter of fact, I was a, a matter of fact, right before I got saved, I was acquitted of attempted murder case. I had a uh, matter of fact, I'll tell you that later. Anyway. My wife almost didn't marry me when she found out who I was. So you have to, you have to lay the proper foundation. You've got to know that the house can't be divided against itself. The, the, the next thing you need to do is establish clear guidelines, rules and, consequence, and consequences for violating them. Listen, the guidelines and rules have to be clear. Now watch this. There's a difference between discipline and authority. Right? Listen, a person may not be at a point to discipline your child yet. We'll talk about progressive discipline in a moment. But they should always have authority to enforce the rules and regulations that y'all have put down. So when you understand that principle, that's what my wife and I had to come to. So we established rules and regulations. I didn't have to call my wife to enforce the, the rules that we laid down. Because we set our kids down and said, these are the rules, these are the regulations, and these are the consequences. And so, again, I told y'all the man, I was a I was beast man in my house. If my kids acted up... They didn't have to call mama. If I'm going to enforce something, if I'm going to take a car away or, or I'm going to restrict their television to do something, well, you're not my dad. I, really? You just realize that? See, most, most non-bio parents are afraid of that. Well, I just don't want them to tell me that I ain't their real dad. Well, you're not. <laughs> Some of y'all faint like y'all short people. The other thing is that, and also they allow, we can't allow the children to come in between that. So one thing we never allowed is our kids to, get, to, to wedge here. And so if, if my husband made a decision, if they came to me and tried to get a permission beyond that, it was automatic you in trouble because that's the head of the household. And if he made a decision, that's the decision. So whether he's your biological father or not, he's the head of this household, he made a decision, you're going to obey it. You don't come to me and try to get me to overturn it. And so you, the children shouldn't be able to come and put a wedge between you and your spouse. Now, case in point, there was a time when my son, my youngest boy, wanted to act a little, little funky towards me. Again, gentlemen, y'all got to man up. You have, to, you have to be a man. You can't be afraid because he acting a little indifferent. His dad walked away from him. He's feeling some kind of way. That's why, he, that's why he, the Lord put him with you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, if any man provide not for his own house, and especially, his own, and especially those of his own household, he's worse than an infidel. That word provide is the Greek word pronoio. And it means that the, this person has to look down the road far enough to determine what needs to be done to get that kid to where they need to be by that time. So you got to understand, provision is not money and, and clothes and that kind of stuff. It is, but it's also providing the opportunities for y'all's relationship to grow. So, uh, you know, I had to look at this young man and say, okay, you know, he acted a little, 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 little something, something. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? And before I could get to it, 
My wife said, honey, she said, I'm going to take Gerald with me. You, you, you and Jasmine going ahead. I said, okay. So, so I didn't know what she said. I didn't even ask her what she said. I, I asked my wife what she going to say. I knew this. When she got done with him, I ain't had to say nothing else to him. At least not while he was standing, because if I had to, he'd be... <laughs> We'd be sipping coffee, talking about how natural he looks. (laughs) So they were riding home, and she told him, she said, let me tell you something. Again, I'm just brutally honest. She said, this man has taken care of you better than your your no-account daddy. She said, you will not disrespect my husband. She said, she she told me this day, she said, if you cannot obey and respect my husband, then you need to go stay with your dad. And you have until we get to the end of this trip to do it. So when we get home, you need to pack your bags, or you need to go in there and apologize to my husband. My, my son came in, dad, dad, uh, I'm sorry. They walk. <laughs> You're good, son. You're and that's, good. that's another thing. You can't allow your children to threaten you into having their way. Uh, they threaten that they're going to go tell another spouse or go do whatever, you know, their other, their other parent or whatever like that. Either they're going to go with the rules or they can go and live with the other parent. That's the way it is. And you can't be afraid to lose them. If you... Um, if you want your house to be blessed, like my husband said, then you have to raise up your house or uh, run your house in the way that the scripture said. And you can't let anything interfere with that, period. If you do what the word says, I guarantee you, your kids will fall in line. Is it going to be a straight line? Maybe not. Maybe it will. Maybe with some of the kids it will. Maybe with some of them it won't. But if you just do the word, how many know God's word is the truth? And his word will always prevail. Well, let me say one more thing before you get into that, honey. Uh, I was asked out in the hallway by a gentleman, and then Pastor Trish said, she said, Pastor, she said, since y'all were here last week, we had over, had over 60 questions have come in <laughs> concerning the blended family. And one of them was, what do, how does a man handle the household when things seem to be going awry? Or, the, you know, like the child or the wife are acting in, in, a, in a certain kind of way. Now, gentlemen, put your seatbelt on. Because you don't believe you're the head of the household. If you don't take control of your house. Are you listening to me? God will back you up if you stay on the word. So you ain't got to argue with your wife or your children or whoever. You got, just got to say, this is how the Ray household is going to run. Either you are part of it or you are not. What's your decision? Well, can I pray about it? Nope. <laughs> can we fast? Nope. This is the Ray household. What are you going to do? See, Jesus required something from everybody that he ministered to. The guy by the pool of Bethesda, he said, take up your bed and walk. Then he found him later. He said, go and sin no more. At least the worst thing come upon you. The lady that was caught in adultery, he, after he came up, he said, where are your accusers? There were none. He said, what did he say, say, say to her? He said, go and sin no more. Is that not what he said? I said, is that not what he said? The rich young ruler, the rich young you come around, the Lord said, listen, go sell everything you have and come follow me. He required something. The, the guy that was possessed coming out, out of the tombs, cutting himself. He said, I want to follow you. Jesus said, that's not what I delivered you from. He said, I need you to go preach to your family and your friends. See, the problem is we're not requiring things from people that are sucking the life out of us. So my wife and I require our kids, oh, you're going to live a certain way or you won't live in a household. And some of y'all are saying, well, what, what, you know, that's my child. I'm going to say one word, then I'm going to let my wife talk. When that child leaves, y'all's marriage is jacked up. Y'all sleeping in different beds. 
Y'all got different televisions. Y'all don't even ride in the car together. Y'all come to church together, sit next to each other, and worship different gods. Because if y'all was on the same page, you would worship the same God. You cannot tell me that you even got a relationship with God when y'all can't. The Bible says this, that the man has to treat his wife a certain way. At least his prayers are hindered. It's quiet in Presbyterian church. Come on, honey. So 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, my husband just quoted it, that if a man would not take care of his own, especially those of household faith, he's worse than an infidel. And so what we, what we began to establish in our household, we called it the rule principle. Because I told you, we already said we don't do steps. So everybody that was in our house, and we actually in, we, it raised probably two more kids than the kids that we brought into the family that weren't related to any of us. We just had open door policy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but the root principle is very important because if you are a biological parent, now I had two children that I brought to the marriage that grew up in the house with us. And so I told you we dated for two years because my husband brought three boys to the family as well. And so we wanted to take time to make sure that everything was going to mesh before we just rushed into the house together. You know, blending a family, does, it's not automatic. You got little personalities. Everybody, you know, everybody deserves respect and uh, th that they need to be noticed. Their needs need to be met. And all of it needs to be taken into consideration. So sometimes we just go and jam everything together. We don't think about the kids. Well, they, they kids. They just do what they told or whatever like that. No, those kids have feelings. You do know that your children belong to God. They have purpose. Your job is to get them in that purpose. So you can't just do anything you want to with them. You need to take your time and find out what God has to say about it. But I was a biological parent of two of the kids that I brought into the house. And so we decided that we needed to take time because how many know just because you have authority does not mean that you have automatic respect. Respect has to be earned. Yeah. I don't care who you are. And so children need to know, I needed to know as a mother that he loved my children. Before you ever spank them, I need to know you love them first. They need to know that you love them first. And so we didn't just come in the house like I'm, I'm the boss, I'm the man. Now, yeah, he was the boss and he was the man, but he took time to make sure that uh, the, kids, if the kids were sick. My husband got up in the middle of the night. Whatever happened at school, he went to their events. He went to their games because he was establishing a pattern that I love you, you are mine. Way before we started doing any disciplining, right? It was a whole year, actually, one whole year. So the rule principle, we call it the rule principle, was releasing, upholding, and enforcing your spouse's authority. That's the responsibility of the biological parent, releasing, upholding, and enforcing your, husband, your spouse's authority. So releasing authority is not the same as relinquishing authority, right? I didn't just abandon my responsibility as a mom. I'm still their mom. I'm not, I'm not giving up on telling them what to do or giving them construction for their life, uh, direction for their life, but I am segueing so that they can respect my husband as the authority in the house. So this might take a little time, especially depending on what the ages are of your children. 
you, a lot of times the younger they are, the easier it is to make that transition. But if you go into a house with a bunch of teenagers, you go in there laying down a hammer if you want to, and you're going to have a whole bunch of rebellion. Period. And so this is why Ephesians tells fathers not to provoke their children unto wrath, to, but to raise them to, and, and nurture them like our father does us. And so sometimes it takes a little time to get that attention and their affection. And you've got to be willing to do that. And understanding that the children, you, you've been divorced or separated or abandoned or whatever, but, but the children have too. So they're dealing with emotion and hurt and not quite sure they're kids. So they're not quite sure exactly how to even express that. The next thing is upholding your spouse's authority. So you can't allow your children, just like I said earlier, to come to you after your spouse has said something uh, because it basically undermines their authority. And I know some people who are not even in blended families that allow their kids to come in and do that nonsense. It's ridiculous. It's against the word. If, if your kids can come to you and undermine what your spouse has said, your marriage is not very secure. And, and it's, it's, it's not appropriate. So if you're, in a, if you're in a marriage in a blended family and you want it to work, you're going to have to establish that your spouse, especially if you're a female, your spouse is the authority. Not anybody else outside of the house. You know, I was married before, and even though uh, my ex-husband was my children's biological father, my ex-husband didn't run anything in my house. I said he didn't run anything in my house. My husband sat down with him and said, listen, I'm going to raise your kids just like they're mine. This is how our house works. Now, what, he, what those kids did when they were at his house, that's his business because he was their daddy then. But in our house, they did what we, what we do in our house. So if we go to church in our house, we, we all go to church. The next thing is that you have to enforce your spouse's authority. So you can never allow your children. First of all, I don't agree with children disrespecting any adult, not the teacher, I don't know what generation we live in now where kids can say and do whatever they want to do. You a kid, sit yourself down somewhere. But it's really something magnanimous, if that's a word, that you're, you can expect, like my husband said, somebody to come in, feed your kids, clothe your kids, clothe your kids, you know, drive them around, help with their college or whatever like that, and then you'll allow your children to talk to them any kind of way. No, you will, you will not disrespect the authority in this house. This is God's authority in this house. And so, again, we need to begin to set our houses up according to the word of God. Go ahead. So what we did was, again, that two-year period, we started laying the foundation that our kids understood that Douglas Ray Jr. was the head of the household. You got me? <laughs> That's what we, we started establishing. My wife started letting her biological kids know that when we get married, this man is the head of the household. Again, we give you choices. If you want to go stay with your dad, that's fine. You know, that may sound cruel and, and, and mean, but it's not because here's the deal. Again, you can't let a child run your household. You, can't, you just can't. So when you start laying down the word of God, because that's the structural word of God, then you, then you should be able to um, enforce that without people getting all bent out of shape because, you know, we've, we've talked two years about this. We've laid the groundwork. My wife and I, we actually do, and I told Pastor uh, Gregor this in the back, and he didn't know this, but we actually do a, a blended family premarital counseling session. It's about 25 subjects that we cover 
for people who are thinking about getting married and blending families. Some people have just backed away from the table because they said, we didn't, all, we didn't know all this was involved in it. So, y'all, this thing is extensive. It's not just something that we've been doing this for 25 years. This is not just something we just woke up one morning and said, let's just throw this together. As a matter of fact, we didn't even think about doing this stuff until somebody approached us saying, you know what? I know your family is blended, but it's actually seamless. That's what they call our family, seamless. So we came up with the term, we have a seamless blended family. Well, it takes work to be that. That means that you have to put things the way God says do it, and then God will bless it. The non-biological parent's responsibility is must, you, you must spend time building trust with your spouse and with your non-biological children. For me, that was 12 months. It took me, it took me 12 months, to, to, so not, not so my wife could trust me, but I felt that I wasn't at that point yet where I could physically begin to discipline my children until my wife was comfortable with that. She knows that I love my kids like they're my own. As a matter of fact, it was so good that my in-law said, you treat those kids just like they're yours. That, that's what my father-in-law and my mother-in-law said. So when I heard that, I said, man, I, okay, now it's working. Because now not only does my wife know that, not only does my in-laws know it, but now my kids are starting to know that. So when I started ministering physical discipline, they didn't think that I was beating them or going crazy on them. They knew that dad loved them. Right. Now you're listening to me. So you have to build that trust. And don't be in a hurry, man. Just because just your daddy whooped you every other day. Don't, don't. <laughs> My Lord, my daddy beat me, and I'm going to beat you. <laughs> and then you call me, tell my pastor, can we talk for about 15 minutes? <laughs> Second thing you have to do as a non-biological <laughs> parent is to keep your word. If you tell your kids something, keep your word. If you're going to take them somewhere, do that. If you're going to discipline them, do that. Right. Because you start setting the precedence that you're a man of integrity or you're a man of, not of integrity. So my kids knew whatever came out of dad's mouth, they do. as a matter of fact, whenever I got rid of discipline, my kids, my son said to my wife one time, um, <laughs> Ma, Ma, don't tell dad, please don't tell my dad that I did this. And so when I got home, my son, again, he's funny. First thing he said, Mom already took care of it because he know, <laughs> right, right, because he knows that if once dad opens his mouth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it to my hurt. So if I tell my kids I'm going to do something, I'm not going to be praying to back out to my, yeah, I was, I was praying about it, and the Lord told me not to do this yet. Ninja Turtle. <laughs> so, you know, keep your word. Be present at their activities. Show up at their activities. The, the other part real quick is this. How we did that is that your kids cannot be the center of attraction. We told the uh, single parents this. So you got to prioritize what activities are important. So you sit your children down and you say, well, you got five activities. Mom and I are only two people. Which two activities do you want us to really attend? Yes. And then sleep good at night. Don't be guilty. Oh, I couldn't attend all, because my mama didn't attend all of mine. Okay, your mama didn't, but you, you know, you got more than one child. And so you got you to gotta pace yourself. So, so then commit yourself to say, okay, I'm, that'll be at this and this. I, w- I used to be the only guy at cheerleading practice. Yeah. Because my daughter said, Dad, I want you at my cheerleading practice more than anything. So I would sit up there, and the, and the, look, the, the, the women would say, oh, hi, hi, hey, what you here? Who you here with? I'm here for, for my daughter. And come, over time, they come to highly respect me because that's what she wanted. So I'm going to give my baby what she wanted. My son wanted me to be at his football games. We missed two football games in four years. That's it. Because we put our word out there. And guess what he told his coach one time? He said, my dad will be here. My, the coach said, how you know? He said, because my dad will not go back on his word. Very important. Amen. 
be a, be a dad not only in, in physically there, but de- be there emotionally as, as well. I was with my kids. We interacted at home. I wasn't just stuck in front of a television with a, pa- or with a book in my, with a paper in my head. I interacted with my kids. When and they got home, go ahead, man. I was going to say, sometimes uh, your children don't respect your spouse as a leader because your spouse is not a leader in the household. Spouse is not a leader in the household, so they don't give them the respect if the wife is running everything. So every morning before our kids went to school, my husband got everybody up. They was mad about it. Everybody was mad about it. You get up, we're going to have Bible study. We're going to pray pray before we go to school. All, everybody did. So we had a short Bible study. That's where we taught them how to teach the word. This is just, it's your day to teach today. Five-minute devotion on, on something you find out of the word. But they began to respect my husband's leadership and, and because he led the household. So when issues came up, they went to dad because dad was the head of the household. But if you're running everything, wife, you're running everything, you hear from you the more spiritual one, uh, right? Mm, hot, hot, hot. You hear him from everything. You got the word on everything. Your husband can't say nothing and you're mad because your kids don't respect them because you won't do what the word says. We got five more minutes, guys. We're going to be out of it. The next thing, too, is that never speak negative about the non-custodial parent. Yeah, I mean, just shut your mouth. Don't, don't do it. You know why? Because my, my wife's ex-husband, I set him down because I'm, I'm a man's man. I set him down and said, man, this is how we're going to raise, I'm going to raise my kids. That's what I said. I looked him in the face and said, my kid. And, I, you know, he had that little movement. I'm, I moved back. I don't need my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to raise my kid. Right? So we taught our kids how to minister to their dad. My daughter led her biological father to Christ three years ago. Why? Now watch this. Because, listen, because I got, y'all quit clapping because I got four and a half minutes. Y'all taking up my time. The big picture is your little insecure behind can't handle some stuff. The big picture is this person needs Christ just like everybody else. A kingdom-minded, this is what the Lord taught me, a kingdom-minded man will teach his kids how to impact their biological family down the road. So my daughter led her father to the Lord. Not only did he lead him to the Lord, he got baptized. Now he's singing in the choir. When we, when we seen her at her doctoral graduation, he hugged me. He said, man, thank you for raising your kids. He said, your kids. Did he not say that? Because I wasn't insecure and talking about, you know, he was on drugs. He was selling meat out the, out the back door and he was selling refrigerators. <laughs> he said, television. He was selling stuff. My wife came home one day, and, you know, they had cable, and, and my wife went to turn the cable on. Wasn't no TV, just a remote. <laughs> Let me hurry up. Y'all quit laughing. Let me hurry up. Okay. <laughs> Always treat them with love and respect regardless of how they act. <gasps> Your non-biological kids going to act like they don't want you involved, especially if they're older kids. Kids have a natural inclination to their biological parents no matter what has happened even if they've been abused or whatever, and don't take that away from them. That is their parent. Right. And so what you do is teach them how to minister to that parent. Right. And so what happens is when you do that, again, as, as, a, as the adult, you have the ability, you have the power, you have the Holy Spirit. So when my son had his first child, my, my youngest son had his first child. You ready for this? This is the one that kind of backed away from me. But I never let that, I told him, I said, I said son, no one will know that you're not my, my biological son by the way I treat you, only by what comes out of your mouth. My wife said, my wife said, Gerald, now that you're a father, he said, uh, 
Kodak moment. My wife says, now that you're a father, she said, how are you going to raise your son? He said, I had a great example, and I'm just going to follow that. Man, that was the greatest compliment to me because while I was raising him, he didn't act like he wanted me in his life. He would act a certain way. He had pictures of him and his biological father. He didn't want to talk, but I never stopped treating him like he was my child. And so now he calls me. He calls me when he wants to have a question about his son. Man, you, you have to stick with it. I'm going to say this real quick. Jesus called Judas Iscariot his friend. There. Kissed him on the cheek. Betrayed him. I said, Lord, how in the world is Judas your friend? Jesus said this to me and it changed my life. It really did. He said, a friend is a friend based on not how they treat you, but how you treat them. Jesus died and went to hell for us. I love my kids like they're my own. So I don't care how they treated me, how they acted. I, I do, I do a, a one session where I talk about, uh, I talk to just the men. How do you handle the, 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 the rejection, the, 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 the comments? How do you handle when your, your non-biological child won't have anything to do with you? Man, we got to close in about a minute and a half. How do you, so I do a whole section on that alone. And the men, you should see the men crying and, and thanking me and saying, Pastor, thank you for telling me the truth. I thought I was crazy when, you know, my child talking to me and, I, and I've done everything. I've given everything for him. And his, non-bio, I mean, his biological father won't even call him. We used to put money in our kids' cards, birthday cards, and send them to them from him so that they wouldn't talk about him. Now the man is born again to this day. Man, we got to Come on, Pastor. Mr. Gregory, while Pastor Gregory is coming, much of the stuff that we talked about today is in this book. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any more product, this book, on the table. However, we do have order forms. You can order these, prepay for them and I'll ship one back to you autographed. This is this talks about baby mama drama, uh, raising another man's kids, all this kind of stuff in the perfect blend devotional. We also have other products out of the table. Now is the time. Every purpose has an expiration date. You know, everybody in here has a purpose, a God-given assignment that does not go away. You might go away, but that purpose, God expected you to fulfill it in the time that you between two eternities, from the time you were born to the time you were dying. And you need to find out what that is and get in it. And we just have another book out there, Get Inspired. It's time to make your life count, meaning stir yourself up. The word inspired actually means God breathe. Let God breathe on the inside of you and start doing what you were called to do. We thank, thank you. y'all for listening to us today. God bless you.